Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1308. Actually, I don't think I need to roll all of the R's in my conversation today. (laughs) (laughs) I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And we are up to the title today of uh, Boys Homelander. I'm not quite sure why I'm going with that. Never mind. And our podcast title is Mystic Pot Up Bar. And I do know why we're doing that. Mm. (laughs) So, yeah, we're going to have a look at the second season of the Amazon Prime science fiction series, The Boys. Mm. and also at the South Korean time travel fantasy drama. Did I get that right, Megan? Yeah, I think so. That's pretty apt. And it's Mystic Pop-Up Bar. And it was absolutely delightful too, by the way. Mm. All right. Uh, And first I have a little bit of news here that has just uh, recently landed on my desk. Apparently... Uh, Tatiana Maslany is going to play She-Hulk. I love it. That's yeah. that's news we love to hear. Yeah, in Disney Plus's new series. And she, of course, is the actress who did that tour de force performance in Orphan Black, mm-hmm. playing all of those clones. <laughs> so I will say welcome to the superhero Sistrahood. Tatiana, this is cool. It's such a great news. She's an excellent choice to play uh, a dual role. I mean, what, mm-hmm. only two personalities? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just really paired back for her this time. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, she's playing She-Hulk and Jennifer Walters, um, who is the uh, the cousin of Bruce Banner. And after a uh, an emergency blood transfusion in the comic books, um, that's where She-Hulk gets her gamma ray powered strength and green physique and all of the other stuff. I'm really keen to see how they actually manage the transformation in this. I'm guessing they're going to do a um, a whole thing like they did for uh, Mark Ruffalo and so on in the uh, mm-hmm. MCU mm-hmm. movies, uh, which sounds like expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it depends on how many um, times she has to transform within the course of an episode or something. Exactly. Mm. So I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, I'm so – I just want to see all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think – I mean, that's a pretty good segue into a tidbit that I had to share as well. This was announced a little while ago. Um, Olivia Wilde, who is a director and actor that I really, really love, she's directed uh, – her debut feature film was Booksmart – and that's a really great teen kind of coming-of-age film. But she is now slated to direct something from the Marvel Universe. And she it's for Sony, so it's going to be, you know, we've got all this mixed-up property, blah, 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 rights. And it hasn't been confirmed, but we're pretty sure, most people are pretty sure that it's going to be Spider-Woman. Oh, 
Yeah, so uh, very keen to see her take on that. I think she's a really great director and I think she'd really bring a lot of heart and sass to that story. So pretty excited about that news. Couldn't be happier. Also, obviously, having a female director at the helm, I mean, thank God we're starting to get these things right finally. So pretty excited about that one as well. Yeah, well, I mean, the other the other Disney Plus shows that are in the MCU, technically speaking, uh, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Falcon and the Winter Soldier has actually started production again. Uh, I, I saw a, a leaked set, uh, some leaked set footage, uh, which involved lo- like a US agent using Cap's shield okay. and wearing a uniform very similar to Cap. Interesting. So, yeah. And the Loki series, of course, too, which was also shut down because of the damn plague, you know. <laughs> so all that stuff, oh. <laughs> hopefully coming our way at some stage. I have also been watching The Expanse. Mm, yes, you've mentioned a couple of times and, and you're I'm, loving it. I'm like I'm, most of the way through the first season, it's brilliant. Really good stuff. So if you're looking for top quality science fiction and you're one of the, I don't know, the the few people who haven't seen it in the genre community. Uh, well, of which I, I am one. So I think on your recommendation, I think it'll be on my list of things to catch up with. It's like a combination of Babylon 5, Blake 7 and Firefly all, all, all rolled into one. Okay, now we are going to have a look at uh, The Boys Season 2. And before we go down that particularly dark rabbit hole, uh, I thought we'd better get some inspirational speeches out of the way first, just to lift you up a moment before we dash you down <laughs> into, the, into The Boys. So let's uh, go over a track here, and it's from one of the Doctor Who series. And... It is basically our uh, Matt Smith doctor giving a bit of a, a lecture to the assembled lay, um, aliens who have appeared over Stonehenge where the doctor is defending, well, let's say he's defending a MacGuffin that all of the his assembled enemies from throughout time and space want to get their claws and suction cups and tentacles on. And the doctor is basically unarmed, He's got no plan, nothing at all to help save him. This is the 11th Doctor, Matt Smith. And he manages to get through this situation with sheer chutzpah and basically a rousing speech. And I think we could all use one of those. This is the 11th Doctor and the speech called The Big Bang. Triple R. Wow. <laughs> Such an inspirational speech there. The Doctor basically with nothing at his disposal (laughs) but his reputation standing off the assembled forces of all of his enemies from over the years. So (laughs) I hope hope you feel that that's appropriate at this particular moment in the space-time continuum, this hinge point in history that we are going through here around the world. Mm. (sighs) If only that that doctor was here. Never mind, we shall have to make do with real doctors. Good enough. <laughs> and that's from the uh, the Pandorica Opens. Interestingly enough, that speech has become a bit of a touchstone for other actors who played the Doctor. And mm-hmm. fans are always asking if they would please read that speech when they're at conventions as mm-hmm. their own Doctor. I love that. I actually think that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah, it's it's sweet. 
<laughs> Thank you, Matt Smith there. Now, okay, we are also in the final week of Radiothon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Time to pay up if you haven't already. And a big thank you, of course, to everyone who has subscribed and donated. Well, of course, they actually have paid up. This is the thing. It's been all online this year, so and it's been really hard for me not to say uh, fulfill your pledge because they already mm. have. It's all done. Uh, but it's if you haven't indeed thought about uh, re-enlisting in Triple R's wonderful magical mystery tour for another year, it's the perfect time to do that. And you mm. can go to the Triple R website at www.rrr.org. Org. <laughs> not Borg. Not Borg. <laughs> not Zorg. Not Korg, but Org. And I suppose that stands for organism, doesn't it? No. Of course. <laughs> but you'd be supporting a very um, worthwhile uh, cause and a worthwhile community uh, community service. Absolutely. Now, we are looking at The Boys Season 2. Mm. Now, this is Garth Enos's property, I should say, the uh, American comic book writer. We know him well on Zero G for his Vertigo series of comic books, Preacher, which was spun off into a television series, the last season of which was filmed here in Melbourne. Mm, indeed. Yeah. Uh, in a violent old show it is in, as well. And... The Boys is basically no exception <laughs> to that particular rule. Not for the squeamish. No, indeed. In fact, they lean into it. Now, look, we've done a great deal of reviewing of assorted science fiction television shows and movies which are basically anti-superhero shows. <laughs> or perhaps they're a little bit more detailed in some respects they they looked they've looked at the idea of what if superheroes were real wouldn't that actually be kind of ghastly mhm yeah and there've been so many of those movies recently and many television series uh, umbrella academy has a, a bit of that going on in there um the uh, the heroes series yeah had, yep. had a lot of that involved um you know the watchmen movie yeah of course, of course. watchman is is a great one of you know exactly mm. what would this do to society and it's ain't that nice well i actually think that superhero comics have been leaning into this for, for quite some time anyway uh remember the drug related issue uh, of green arrow where his young ward speedy turned out to be a drug addict uh, Interesting. You know, very getting into that uh, quite earlier, can't remember when it was sixties or the seventies. One of those, one of those times mm. of of, uh, of woe, <laughs> and also, of course, Watchmen is the one that people all remember. But there's also um, Miracle Man as well. Uh, you know, uh, Superman Red Sun, where Superman lands in the Soviet Union as a baby. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah we've talked about that before. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's just endless ones. So much so that it's actually uh, become a, a trope in itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Chron- chronicle, you know, the um, – Yes, yeah. that's a good, another great example. Mm. Yeah. I, we, I could just spend hours doing that. So it's no real surprise anymore, mm. essentially. But if it's done, then let it be done well, and The Boys certainly does achieve that uh, in its first season on Amazon Prime. And now we've got the second season, and it hasn't exactly dropped all at once. 
Ah. Ah, mm-hmm. yes. It's a um, a bit of a bitzer thing, one per week. And we're up to, I think, about six episodes dropped okay. so far, and there's mm-hmm. only about eight episodes. Oh, so you're getting into real crunch time, bone crunch time, I imagine. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Indeed. Now, the uh, the thing about the, the boys season two is that it does pick up pretty much not exactly immediately after the first one. Uh, mm. And I, I probably shouldn't, um, I shouldn't spoil it too much for you in, mm, in, mm, in mm. terms of what happens in the first one in case you are actually new to it. But basically it's a two, 2019 TV series and now we've got the second season of it. It's uh, developed by Eric Kripke for Prime Video and, as I said before, based on the comic book by Garth Enos and Derek Robertson. So essentially it's um, a fake Justice League. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you'll be very familiar with the powers amongst the characters. Uh, you know, they've got a, a Carl – oh, sorry, I shouldn't say Carl Urban is one of the superheroes, or the suits, as they, the soups or the suits or however they refer to them at various stages. The most powerful member of the seven – in this mm-hmm. little team is John, a.k.a. Homelander, a superhero so U.S. patriotic. Not only is he star-spangled in his costume, red, white, and blue, but his actual cape is the U.S. flag. Oh, okay. All right. I see where we're going. We're really going pretty hard on these uh, ideas. Okay. All right. And you thought Captain America was uh, an uber patriot. He's played magnificently by the actor Anthony Starr. and. He's basically underneath all of that superpowers and uh, Clark Kent farm boy sort of uh, down hominess. Mm. He's a monster. He's a psychopath who thinks that he is a god. Okay. All right. And that nothing should be allowed to stop him. Every single scene this, this creature appears in is chilling and potentially murderous. And it's great as a as a dramatic device. You're standing there thinking, uh, once you know what he is capable of, you're going, mm. you fear for the life of everybody else in that room. And he's got that. I'm just. I looked up his picture just now. He's got this real chiselled kind of classic Clark Kent Superman esque appearance. Like his whole vibe is very. I mean, he's actually a New Zealander. Um, his whole vibe is that real. Uh, yeah, charming psychopath. I love it. I think that's a really interesting idea. I reckon if he's doing a good job, that's awesome. And he's, uh, it's just sick. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't think of any other way of describing him. He is a very, very disturbed individual. Okay. And that's a terrible combination. If you remember the last uh, Wolverine movie, Logan, Mm-mm-mm. if you recall in that, the the horrific results of Professor X losing control of his powers. This guy, this guy is out of control all the time, except when he's in front of cameras. Erin, of course, Erin Mori- Moriarty plays Starlight, and her powers are mm-hmm. pretty much that. Uh, she could be an, an analog of any number of superheroes, but basically, she is actually uh, a quite pleasant person. And she's been elevated into the big league of the seven. And she's been abused when she got there. Um, she's had a hell of a time and she's trying to come to terms with having to maintain this public persona of the mm-hmm. of the, the beautiful and accomplished and quite religious starlight. Right. 
she's probably the the pleasantest, the most pleasant character amongst the seven. Okay. Dominique McElligot Mc, Mc, oh, oh, plays Maggie Shaw, also known as Queen Mav, and she is basically Wonder Woman in this. Okay. Um, she has a horrible time in this team. She also has to cater to the evil whims of Homelander. Mm. This sounds very uncomfortable, like in a good way, very tense, lots of not just, you know, shiny life-saving and glory and all that jazz. It's, uh, mm. yeah, interesting. Okay, all right, talk us through the rest of them. Well, I'll, 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 I'll take a leaf from A-Train, who's the speedster, and hurry up to get through some of the others. They're all great, great actors, and uh, and the characters are all very well drawn. A-Train is uh, like the Flash, essentially, mm-hmm. and he's become a bit obsessive-compulsive because of okay. his past. Um, the Deep is their Aquaman played by Chase Crawford. Uh, he's actually he's actually quite an awful character. Um, he's, he's one of the abusers in the group. Uh, he cannot come to terms with the fact that he's got gills on his body. Okay. Uh, he, so he's not an Atlantean or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And in the second season, he tries to redeem himself after he's kicked out of the seven for some of his some of the less successful adventures that he's been involved in. Uh, and so he joins the Church of the Collective. Mm. Maybe it is Borg that we're talking about here, but he actually, it's a very a very similar to a number, any number of cult groups. And they're trying to bring him back into the Seven because they want their own superhero, you know. They've already got one. They've got a guy called um, Eagle, Eagle the Archer, who's like Green Arrow. So I actually do feel like this is more Justice League than like the Avengers mm. or anything, mm, mm, mm. which doesn't stop them from having some characters who are kind of like that. Uh, we've also got the um, uh, the, the the character uh, Noir, I think his name is, who's very much like Batman. He never speaks. He's always in his uh, his uh, black costume, and he's again another lethal person. We've got a new character called Stormfront who comes okay. into this. Uh, she is uh, played by uh, Aya Cash. Uh, she's always on the social media. She's constantly mm-hmm. carrying the, um, the, the 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 iPhone around and and getting onto um, the internet during the battles. <laughs> I love that you called it the social media. <laughs> yeah, the social media, uh, and she is actually in a bit of a conflict with Homelander in this series because she's so popular that she actually uh, is sort of shunting him aside a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, his, and I bet he does not like that. No, his extreme narcissism will not permit that. But they've got a, a lot of other people in this who appear as other heroes. They actually um, pick up the pace in this one a little bit uh, as they try and fill up the roster again after some losses. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> in the, Say no more. In the first season. Uh, and there are, of course, the boys themselves with a title, which is not the superheroes. These are the people who are fighting against the superheroes, uh, including Carl Urban, who has, yeah, his uh, William William Butcher. Yes, Bill the Butcher, mm-hmm. who, who mm-hmm. seems to be a former um, covert operator whose who's, who's, uh, wife was killed by the Seven. Mm-hmm. Of course. And so there are many similar motivations amongst the boys that are, that are kind of uh, feeding into that, that same line. They've all suffered at the hands of the seven who don't get. They're the, 
they're the Avengers, you could say. Yeah. They, they, the, the, the seven actually don't give a hoot about collateral damage. In fact, mm. they, they sort of think that 30% casualties amongst the onlookers is acceptable. It's written into their contracts, uh, which are all held, held by the company called um, Voight. Mr. Esposito is in this. He plays the boss of Voight, the company that manages our superhero team. He is, of course, Gus Fring from Breaking Bad, an awesome actor, and and still actually playing this one a bit deadpan throughout this I love it. series. He becomes actually um, much more important in season two. All right, look, there's there's a whole bunch of other superheroes who appear and many other fine people amongst the boys, in spite of what the world at large has led to believe about them. They are actually fighting the good fight. Now, mm. in this season of the boys, we're basically not just picking up what's going on in the uh, in the fir- from the first season, repercussions of that event. There are many other things that are being addressed in this story. Now, Compound V. Now, that's the the uh, the serum, the super serum that makes the suits super. They're not born. They're not born that way. And this has all been revealed in the first season. And there have been some complications of that now that that is public knowledge in this second season because before it was just like, well, they walk amongst us. Now it's like mm-hmm. they were manufactured. So there's lots of complications spinning out from that. The CIA is very suspicious of the supers because they're trying to get into the US military as, a, as an official unit. And they're not too sure that's exactly the way they want things to be, having these hyper-powered individuals embedded in the in the US military machine and also mm. becoming more and more popular. It's like they're, they're becoming a, a popularist coup, Mm-mm-mm. a super popularist one. So the CIA is involved in this as well as some other supers from outside the United States because the, okay. the rest of the world is not entirely happy about this. And I what, can't imagine they would be. Oh, and what happens when terrorists get hold of Compound V? Okay, there's a lot here. I mean, there we're in this for six episodes. That is a lot. Although they might have set some of this up in the first season, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, they did. Oh, by the way, uh, the um, the Deep, their Aquaman, Namor surrogate, <laughs> he, because he joins us the, the Church of the Collective, he starts t- talking to his gills and his gills start talking back and they're voiced by Peyton Oswald. <laughs> Oh, I love Patton Oswalt. Okay. I was you'd already drawn me over to being very interested in the series. I remember you'd like first season, but it just felt a bit a bridge too far in this kind of time. But um now I hear Patton's involved in season two. I definitely think I want to check this one out. It's there's a lot of ideas here. I'm actually really intrigued the more you talk about it. Mm, so mm. Mm. All right, so let's have some music from the boys uh season two and music as it is the case with so many of our modern genre shows it is really actually quite important to the plot so they have chosen the tracks with great care probably less care than i do (laughs) or we do sometimes (laughs) on zero g and but this track in particular is the the title of the third episode I can't remember them actually playing the track in the in the in the show, but nevertheless, the title of the third episode is 
Swords of a Thousand Men, which is a, a classic single, and I'll talk to you a little bit more about it after we play it. This is Sir Derek Jacobi. Zero G or not zero G? That is the question. Swords of a Thousand Men, which is a single written by Eddie Tenpole. Not Tenpole, Tenpole. <laughs> and it was the uh, the English punk band Tenpole Tudor back in 1981. And it is the title of the third episode of Amazon Prime's The Boys, Season 2. And it's also the title of one of the story arcs of Garth Ennis's original comic books that are the uh, that the boys series is based upon do not do what i just did accidentally and google the boys comic book in uh, wikipedia and look that up because i just learned some major spoilers that i probably didn't want to know <laughs> oh no <laughs> wikipedia yeah. oh dear that's a real bummer <laughs> it is Oh, look, you know, if it's a good story, it'll still grab me anyway. And, yeah. And The Boys is a good story, really, truly. <laughs> Would I lie to you, says Homelander? No. <laughs> uh, now, okay, there are um, further implications in this season to the implication that uh, the noir character, the Bat- Batman surrogate, drinks blood. He's a bit... He's a, what? Yeah, he's a, he's a bit Deadpool-y too. Can, like he can survive explosions and heal. Uh, there's this awful stage-managed funeral for one of the characters from the show. So there's that to look forward to. And um, because this is all done before the pandemic, there's no thought of social distancing or doing it virtual. Uh, as I was saying before, there's a lot of new superheroes drilling down into one of them, uh, Eagle the Archer from the Church of the Collective we were mentioning earlier. Langston Kerman plays him, and he's been in the ABC sitcom Bless This Mess, and certainly it is a very messy show (laughs) that he's landed himself in. We've also got one briefly seen, uh, a guy called Blindspot, played by Chris Mark, who's done so many stunt performances in different films that he he's worthy mentioning just because you'll have seen him in everything from Suicide Squad, X-Men, Dark Phoenix, Hunger Games and Star Trek Beyond. So he's been in all sorts of things. So it's wow. kind of kind of nice to him actually getting a speaking role in this one as brief as it actually is. <laughs> so yeah. And I and we also find out that the deep's power and I sort of saw this in season 1 the Deep's Power, their Aquaman kind of character, seems to be getting sea creatures killed in assorted messy ways, including something that is probably the nastiest thing I've ever seen happen since this Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy knocked off a sea creature rather famously. Mm. (laughs) So I'm not going to go there. I shouldn't laugh because it's just awful. Oh, this is this sounds dark. I mean, how how dark and gory are we talking? Should we? I don't know. Am I in the mindset for this right now? Um, it's preacher level. That doesn't tell you anything mm-hmm. if you haven't watched Preacher. Uh, Deadpool, gross. They are actually playing it for macabre kind of okay comedy in places, but not always. I don't okay. know. Okay. How, how am I supposed to? How am I supposed to say? What a, what a, uh, a normal person would 
how they would react to it. True, true. So <laughs> we have our own different yardsticks here on Zero G, yeah. but I'm still, I'm still intrigued. I think I'm still going to check it out. Okay. All right. So that's about it for the boys' season two, and I think we shall play a track. As I said, I'm about a couple of episodes in. There are eight episodes in all, and it's on Amazon Prime. Obviously, you'd be better off watching the first season first if you haven't seen it before. All right, so I think we'll have a track here that is actually included in the soundtrack of this particular season, Uh, Pressure by Billy Joel, a fairly famous track in itself. And I wanted to play this because it perfectly captures that constant feeling of things about to go lethally wrong that occurs throughout this entire series. I'm Scott Westerfeld, author of Peeps and series Leviathan, and you're listening to Zero G on 3 R FM. Not feeling any pressure there at all, Billy Joel, <laughs> there from 1982. You seem to like the 80s songs on the boys. Mm, bit of a vibe there. Mm. All right, now let's let's go a bit more into happy space, which we definitely mm. need after the boys. We'll uh, pivot. We'll pivot. <laughs> now, we've talked about uh, Korean, South Korean time travel dramas before and their sort of fantasy series. It's a very popular trope both in South Korea and in China and in several other parts of Asia as well. Lots of South Korean time travel dramas. A standard trope from 2012's The Queen and I, which is a reincarnation one. Uh, Splash Splash Love, which is backwards in time. Time Slip Dr. Jin. And The King, Eternal Monarch, which also features parallel universes. So I thought that this was just something that would lift us up a little bit. And I was not wrong. It's it's mm. delightful. Megan. Yes. All right. Let me give you the rundown. So we have looked at Mystic Pop-Up Bar. So it's kind of the latest in this genre that Rob's talked about, uh, kind of mysterious, mystical elements mixed with everyday life and kind of really digging into maybe societal pressures or everyday lives of people and kind of working through those problems. So you can find it on Netflix. It's actually, it's South Korean title is Sangak uh, Pocha, and which actually translates to Twin Tops Bar, but they've obviously changed the name for a, in a Western audience. And I actually think it's quite a nice, very representative new title. Now it is based on a webtoon. So webtoons in Korea, it's pretty much what it sounds like. It's a webcomic. Uh, so it's based on that webtoon by Bae Hee-soo. And it was aired in Korea on JTBC. And it was in one of those time slots where it's over, it's two nights. So it's shows on Wednesday, shows on Thursday. Uh, and each episode is about an hour long. So that is a lot of content. So it's interesting to keep in mind that originally how it aired was sort of in a bingeable format anyway. So weekly, you'd have like two hours worth of this show to watch. So you, it's distributed by Netflix internationally, so you can find it there. Basically, our premise, uh, we do jump back and forth between a more historical, traditional time in Korea, which is great. We get some great outfits. We get some great traditional elements. There's a very interesting kind of origin story that we're following there. And we also get some modern day stuff, which is more about 
modern day pressures and kind of today's world in Korea and the different struggles that people might face. So we have our main, uh, I guess you call her the protagonist. So she runs this mystic pop-up bar and she is this grumpy, <laughs> very cranky, <laughs> Rob's nodding. She's absolutely very, very grumpy. And that is because she has been kind of given the punishment of having to stay on earth and solve the issues or solve the grudges, they call it, of humans. And she has to do, she has to solve X amount of grudges. I can't remember exactly the the number. And she's almost there. She's She's been doing this for many, many centuries, I think 500 years or something ridiculous. And she's almost there, but they're getting a bit annoyed with her. And they say, look, woman, you've only got uh, this many to go, and you've only got about a month to do it. So they've really lit a fire underneath her, which has encouraged her to bring on the skills and the special skills, shall we say, of a young man uh, named Kang Bae. And he has a very special talent that is going to help her with finding these people with grudges. Because basically what happens is they'll come into her special bar, which is kind of in this weird um, like Mary Poppins bag-esque tent that can kind of appear anywhere. It is magical. And they'll come in there and they'll spill their problems to be solved by Hualju, who is the the woman here. So she also has a sidekick who's sort of a – he's mystical as well. I guess he called him a mystical afterlife kind of helper. And uh, he also comes along and sort of tries to keep her in check. He's sort of the um, the – the cooler energy to her hot-headedness. And then we kind of have our nice little trio there of this sort of young, innocent man who's just trying to figure out life on his own. He works at a supermarket. He's just trying to do his thing, who gets kind of dragged into this mystical underworld of trying to help people. And and that's kind of where we the, the whole premise that gets set up for us to then continue on our merry way throughout the season, which is is sort of in the realm of it really brought to mind shows that were really popular when I was growing up, like early edition, Touched by an Angel, where it's very much a episodic procedural about solving pe- everyday people's problems and digging into kind of the things that make them tick or helping them in some way. I mean, she does it in this very grumpy way, <laughs> but we then have it offset with this very beautiful, innocent energy of this young man who's who's also along for the ride. It, it does remind me a bit of uh, Ghost Whisperer. Mm, yes, another, yep, yep, exactly. But played for fun, uh, mm. rather more like Reaper, which is... Yes. It's, it's very much a comedy. It's very lighthearted. If you've not watched many K-dramas before, you'll, you'll start to get a hang of the kind of vibe and energy. There's lots of weird sound effects, like <laughs> little growl, like cat noises and things whenever she's sort of grumpy with anyone. And, um, it's, it's all a little bit silly and over the top, but it's, it's done in this very pure way. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, it's, it's just really kind of digging into different elements that they want to highlight in the season. And I think there's just something, it's so watchable. That's what I found and kind of uplifting in this corn. It's so cheesy, but yeah, 
it kind of like those old shows where it's cheesy in this way that is very heartwarming. That's what I like, like a good cup of, of warm sake or something. I mean, I'm crossing cultures there, but something very comforting. That's what I found. What was your thoughts on it, Rob? Pretty much the same. I was delighted by it. I was thinking this is a bit of a tonic at the moment. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I, and speaking of crossing cultures, the particular Pan-Asian trope show that I'm thinking about here is is Monkey. Ah, yeah, a classic. Yeah. So, you know, a story about going to India based on a Chinese classic done by a Japanese production company. In this case, (laughs) I know I'm I'm in safe, wacky hands when there's a a couple of uh, people in the classical era uh, 500 years ago soaring through an egg or a rock or something when a, a female demon pops out and starts laying about with a golden club that's, that's <laughs> clearly like a paper mache or, or vacuum form prop painted gold. <laughs> and it's so monkey, that, that whole thing. I'm thinking, this is fun. And, and speaking of the production, I really love the colour palette of the historical sections of this show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's rich and vivid and gorgeously filmed, and it brings out the best in the period costumes, the wall decorations and the sets. And if I had to call out a memorable colour, it's variations on peach and apricot. I mention that because they seem to have continued that palette in the 21st century bar set. There's a similar thing going on, and that just struck me for no particular reason. Another thing that really cracked me up was the use of General Douglas MacArthur because this is like they've got a, a Korean war trope running through this too. And I'm thinking, what the hell? Ah, oh, it's all right. I'll just go with that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, yes. I had great fun watching this. It's it's interesting. Like it's set uh, sort of – it's equally set inside this pop-up bar, which I agree has this lovely energy to it, kind of bright. And then you've, it's also set in this very brightly lit supermarket as well as another key place that we're going and also we're going into dream world and the kind of afterlife and and all kinds of things and I think I the I haven't finished watching all of the episodes there's 12 episodes and it's interesting I think they're starting to introduce a few more elements now so I'm keen to see I think maybe some more darker in a silly way uh a darker side of you know because we've got a lot of this happy afterlife death what happens and i think we're gonna get a little bit more of the demony side as well so that should be pretty interesting and fun we just took a punt on this one i i looked at the title i was looking at some uh, some k dramas and i thought i like the title of this mm, mm, yeah <laughs> you know how you do when you just sometimes you're just riffing through the uh, the carousel on whatever what, what was this one on i've forgotten actually uh, oh, Netflix. Netflix. So this one's uh, yeah. distributed by Netflix, yeah. Yeah. And you just stumble across something and goes, you yeah, know, that might be worth a try. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it might not be for you, but I personally found it very easy watching, very lighthearted, uh, touches on some interesting topics. And I think it's also, like with all these shows, I personally find them a very interesting view into Korea, South Korean culture and the types of issues and things that they're, um, media is reflecting. It's always nice and interesting to see what kinds of themes are being dealt with in pop culture in certain countries. So for me, I found that element really interesting as well. So mm. yeah, yeah. Well, I would recommend it. Megan, same. I think. Mm, there you go. I yeah. I think it's it's fun. I mean, yeah. You, if you're not into that style, you won't like it. Like that kind of silly style. But I think it has a lot to offer, and it, it's just it's just. 
heartwarming salve for the times. Did you watch subtitles or did you have it? Is there a dub? <laughs> I wrote that down because I thought Megan's going to ask me that question. <laughs> uh, I did watch it in subtitles. Mm, mm, mm. I just thought it would be appropriate to do so in this case. All right. So we've looked at The Boys Season 2 and Mystic Pop-Up Bar. Mm. Season 1, as far as I know. Yes. Yep. So it, it was only sort of on TV, on JTBC uh, earlier this year. And then now, yeah, they've dropped all the episodes online for streaming. So I don't know what's happening season two. Who knows? But yeah, we've got this first 12 episode season here hmm. at least. So that's good. Hmm. All right. Well, we shall run out today when we get to the end of Zero G with a small reminder that it is the last week of Radiothon. Indeed. And it is a particularly challenging year mm. for everybody in the, I was going to say entertainment industry, but is does Triple R count as that? Wow. Oh, I mean, Not, it's, it's entertaining for me. <laughs> nothing as mechanistic or as chillingly corporate as industry, I should think. Because mm, <laughs> it's Triple R. Entertainment community. <laughs> and... I hesitate to classify zero G <laughs> as any anything even vaguely entertaining. <laughs> we amuse ourselves. I think that's enough, isn't it? I would I would actually use the term awful warning. <laughs> <laughs> if this is what will happen if you go down the rabbit hole of genre. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once the matrix has got you, you're gone. <laughs> All right, well, so to go out with oh, now so many choices here, Megan. I know. Uh, you know what? We we do have a, a David Bowie-esque track, which I will actually save for another day. So we will go Bowie-less today because I think Megan's chosen some K music for us. Yes. Why don't we go with – so this track is – by one of the actors in Mystic Pop-Up Bar. So he plays our young, innocent human, and it's a fellow by the name of Yuk Sung Jae, and he's also been, he's a performer, and he has an album called Yuk O'Clock, and I've picked a track off that called Come With The Wind, and I thought we might give that a listen today. Before we play that, we will also have a little bit of a speech, another uplifting speech, if you can call it that, the the seventh doctor, Sylvester McCoy, who we did interview once on Zero G, and he's talking to his companion Ace, Sophie Aldred. This would be from the final episode of the seventh doctor's sojourn amongst the Time Lords, and they're really just trading a few witticisms and uh, farewells before they pop off for the last time because there was a big hiatus after the Doctor's seventh bow, uh, which was only picked up again, well, when he did return briefly in the 1995 telly movie opposite Paul McGann. So thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. And thank you to Kayla Larson, our podcaster, and also to Joe Brunatic coming up next with Astral Glamour, www.rrr.org. Please subscribe to Triple R FM. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. 
Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.